Welcome to the Cook Collective Podcast. I'm Brandon Cook, and here along with my cousin Adam, we're here to speak about our life experiences and growth through plant medicines, meditation, exercise, diet, and how it all plays a vital role in our relationships and everyday lives. Today is a long overdue episode. Brandon and I catching up. He's been out of town for a bit, blowing up, and uh, <laughs> 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 and I've been here just, you know, just get it, getting it done the best I can. Uh, we had a great catch up today, and I we talk about uh, Brandon's new journey with his band and some great projects he's working on, and some amazing studios that he got to play in. And we talk about my day three being into a microdose journey. It's been tough. A lot of heavy things have been coming up. A lot of self realizations. Uh, a lot of openness trying to be more open and talk about more things. And uh, yeah, and then towards the end, we talk about some, uh, some more lighthearted stuff, like what's you, what our favorite porn channels are and uh, the possibility of creating an OnlyFans page. What everyone's been asking for. That's just, it's just been on the tip of everyone's tongue everywhere I go. <laughs> how could when, we, when are you starting your OnlyFans, man? When are you starting your OnlyFans? How could we not at this point? I mean... <laughs> Got to give the people what they want. It's the only thing left. Really? Really. Done everything else. Everything. Every check has been checked. Every <laughs> T's been crossed. Every I's been dotted. Only fans, here we come. <laughs> we hope you guys enjoy. Man, dude, always good seeing you. We haven't sat down across from each other in a while. No, it's been a minute. I've been out a lot this year, so missed missed being here until getting to interview Annabelle last week. Yeah, I mean, I think you were gone for a few weeks or so. Yeah, so years already on the move after a year of not going anywhere <laughs> practically. You know, Brandon's blowing up. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good. So why don't you let everyone know what's going on right now? Well, we, uh, we Blood Moon Hellers were just in Austin. We're working with a producer. His name's Jacob Skiba. Who uh, he, I think he actually just won a Grammy for Gary Clark's new record. He produced and engineered it, uh, mixed and engineered the new Black Pumas record. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. He's works out of Arlen Studios, which is like Willie Nelson's family studio. So. You gotta have that experience, which man, that place is just seeping with outlaw country. You know, it's like you can feel it coming out of the walls of hearing stories of Burl Haggard and Willie Nelson playing cards, and you know all these things. How Willie Nelson got, you know, his name shocking Willie from getting in a gunfight with a guy that was like kind of slapping his daughter around and stuff like he that. He got in an actual gunfight. How the legend goes, anyway. With slapping Willie's daughter around, yeah, and so he got into it with her boyfriend. Oh, tell them the story goes. That's like a badass movie scene. I know, right? Wow. Yeah. And those dudes, like, what they said, they were the real deal. That's what was so cool about that era of outlaw country. Like, that wasn't some shit they were making up. Like, those dudes lived, walked the walk, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Man, Austin has such a cool vibe, you know? I mean, it, such what I miss here in LA that they have there is like, there's such a great family vibe to the music scene, right? Like, Gary Clark Jr. is like the new hometown hero for guitar hero for like the guy pioneering 
music there, like, you know, bringing Austin forward and everyone knows him. Everyone talks about Gary so highly. And I love that. There's like such a great family vibe within the Austin music scene and community. And also just to see like what Willie Nelson built there. I mean, he, you know, he lives on a ranch up above. I mean, even when the IRS took away everything from him, he had people that just loved him, bought stuff and held on to it from him for him until he got out of debt and could oh, that's cool. reclaim it. I mean, it's just that kind of tight knit community. It, I love seeing that because that's something that you don't get a lot of in LA. It's not like it's non-existent. We just don't see that as much because it tends to be a very competitive town. So Willie has always lived near Austin? Not, not always, but it's kind of where his like main so, base okay. was. Pertinalis was like his, uh, he bought a golf course. And like, so he had this like golf course and recording studio up there. And that's like what the IRS famously seized. But even that, he had like friends that, that bought it and kind of held on to it for him until he could get it back. So, you know, I, I don't know all the details. I know he well, he's, has a ranch too around there, but it seems like we kept calling it. It's like, man, this is like the town Willie built. You know, he has, there's Willie Nelson Avenue, statues of Willie in front of Austin city limits uh, where they filmed that, which was great to go in and get a tour of, of that building. How many, you know, I'm a huge Stevie Ray Vaughan fan and he was my hero as a kid. So to get see his memorial statue along the river and, you know, just feel that energy from the city was was great. It's beautiful. And I also have some damn good barbecue. <laughs> we have good barbecue here, but that's not it's not barbecue, you know. <laughs> like yeah. what they got there is barbecue. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I always think of that kind of rough cowboy scene. I just watched the Urban Cowboy. Oh yeah. That's yeah. an old movie. Yeah. And we we just watched I watched it again the other other day and I just just that like small town tough guy kind of attitude, just badasses, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. The uh, um, so you got to hang out with with his crew and with his family. No, it's like <laughs> it's a very extended family. So it was cool because one of the guys that was like helping us just get around and kind of run, help us with like production management. His name's Mike Fackler. That guy's like a legend. He's Gary Clark's uh, production manager when he's on the road and works with Willie. You know, so it's kind of part of the Willie crew and family. And then in the in the studio in Arlen, I believe it was his, Willie's niece that owns it. And she was just a sweetheart. Like, you know, talked to her for probably an hour because she was just so excited we had come in and and we were so excited to meet her. And we felt, you know, it's one of those people where you feel like you're you're going to be invited over for Thanksgiving at the end of the conversation. And, you know, it, it, everyone was just so just pleasant and amazing where yeah, maybe I'm just jaded <laughs> from, you know, L.A. and New York, but it's just getting to really feel those, like, those family vibes from that and to see that that kind of extended crew that has, like, its reaches all through Austin and that, you know, so it's not necessarily like Willie's, you know, direct family, but it's like Willie's family. Sure. That's cool. That's really cool. So you guys got to record a song. Yeah. So, you know, I'll get to talk more about it coming up, but uh, we're kind of uh, basically working on a docuseries and um, can talk more about it again in the, f in the future. But we, we're part of it was... Uh, we wanted to go down to to Arlen, one to see to work out of that studio, and then we had a new song we were tracking, and then also do a, a song to to pay tribute to Willie and to that city, and like how much Willie's influenced us growing up, and kind of do a take on it. So 
that's something that we're excited to to release here in the in the coming future. That's fun, man. You're living yeah. living the passion. Yeah, man. I mean, feel it. I I'm such a geek for recording studios that to get to go around and work out of these places is a dream because the the guy Jacob that we're working with he like gutted that studio and rebuilt it and basically what he did is he took two very famous recording consoles that Willie had that are two of my favorite very different sounding and combined them into one so me and him are geeking out hard you know because I I love that shit it's like you know I feel like it's a mad laboratory so we were geeking out so hard getting to see you know how he did that as well as getting to hear stories of like the last record Merle Haggard did there. Both him and Willie had their big ass tour buses in the parking lot, right? And they were playing poker the whole time. And what would happen is Willie would go in, cut a song, come back out, be like, Merle, I got us, and then write a song for Merle. Be like, come back out, say, Merle, I got a song for you. Merle would, you know, put his cards down, excuse himself from the card game, go cut a song, write a song for Willie, come back into the bus, say, Willie, I got a song for you. And they did the whole album that way, you know? So just, getting to hear those stories, amps that like Stevie Ray Vaughan would use and getting to, and that's what I love about going into studios like this. You know, we're in such a different era now where, you know, the Blood Moon Hallers and I have both have our own little, like, you know, more or less home studios. But when you go into somewhere like that, you, you feel the history with it and it's a vibe. And that's what I love about going into these different recording studios to work. It's like one, it's phenomenal gear. The rooms sound great, but there's a history with it. And I feel it's hard not to take that into your performance when you're cutting a song in there. You're feeling, you know, if you're in Sunset Sound in room one, you're feeling Zeppelin tracking Zeppelin two <laughs> when I'm playing drums in there. If I'm, you know, at Arlen Studios in Austin, I'm feeling Merle Haggard's, you know, vocal takes, how those probably went in that room. And that's what I love about it. It's the same reason when you go into a really old bar, like there's a bar in San Francisco I love, and it's not like I, I drink that much. It's hang out in bars much anymore, but the, I go because it's like where Dylan and David Crosby would hang out and Jack Kerouac. So you kind of feel it seeped into the walls of these stories and they have a weight, right? Yeah. And these people that... Legend has weight. Yeah, and you feel like their orbit still in these places, even though they're gone. Sure. When you go in there, I, I love that. That's cool. That's really cool. Wow, man, that's an experience. Yeah, it's uh, been it's been fun, man. I mean, we we hit the the ground running this year, and it feels good. It's it's been a little hard to remember because I I love getting into hustle mode, but the problem is hard for me to turn it off and remember that I also have a personal life and like to take care of myself in the meantime. So it's it's good. This last weekend, my my girlfriend and I just celebrated one year of being together and went up to uh, uh, North Coast, like Jenner, California, just to get away for a couple of days. And it was nice just to, like, oh, yeah, I have, like, a personal life and a relationship and things outside of just being in, in work mode. Yeah. Yeah, when you, when you slow down, you start to see it. Sometimes it's, you start to see a lot, and not all of it's easy when you start to slow down. That's true. That's true. I've gone through a little bit of that lately. <laughs> yeah, what's you've been mentioning a bit to me that you just embarked on a um, on a microdose kind of journey. Yeah, so I decided I've just been having a hard time lately in general. Just balance of home and work and, you know, relationship stuff and being a new dad and making time always for him and trying to make time for me and for her and just 
and then trying to do what feels like the impossible sometimes with business. And I have just been so busy lately. We're, we're trying to build this podcast and trying to build a couple brands. And I'm still building my main pri private label business, which is just going off right now. It's great. We're having our biggest first quarter ever. And it just feels like, uh, you know, but it all just feels so unstable at the same mm. time for some reason. You know, it's like, like I'm trying to, uh, I don't know. It's like I'm trying to like, to walk myself across a high wire hanging from my hands and and the high wire is greased. Yeah. <laughs> <So> you're, <laughs> like, you're, you're holding on, but some, not some, really. the, the hand yeah. slides, other ones kind of steps, slides, steps, and it's uh. just, it's not, there's no, there's no rhythm. I, yeah. I feel like I'm out of rhythm. This is a hard balance to maintain anyway. Yeah. In yeah, general. Cause, yeah, because I don't have a day where I go in and just do something, the same thing every day. Yeah, yeah. I, and I leave and there's times where I ad admire that a little bit in other people. But then I know that once I had something like that, I would go crazy. Same. Yeah. So <clears throat> I've just been feeling really off balance and I, you know, I, I felt called to start this microdose journey and I've committed to doing every day for two weeks. And just today is day three. And the first day, um, it's just brought up a lot of emotion. Like I feel emotional right now. I feel like I, for two days, I feel like I've just finished crying. Mm. You know that feeling when you're mm -hmm. done crying and everything feels clear, but you're like... A little shooken up. Yeah. So the first day I did it and within, I did two little pinches and it was a little too much. These, mm -hmm. these new ones I have are really strong. And it really just, I was like, okay, let's go, let's go. And then I start kind of walking around and I'm like, oh, oh, whoa, whoa, I need to, I need to sit down. And I sat down and I just started kind of looking up and I had so many things to go do and had so many important things I had to get done. But then I sat down and they just didn't feel as important <laughs> all of a sudden. Yeah. And I was like. Oh, and then I felt this just like, you know, that feeling of when you're going to cry. I didn't feel like I was going to cry, but that feeling of just that heavy weight of like pressure or something, you know, you can almost taste it. And it was just, I was like, damn, okay, wait a minute. This is like making me sit down. I'm, I have to sit right now. I have to just think this through. And so instead of going to the office, I went into our our little office area and worked there for a little bit, got a few things done, and I was like, man, okay, I'm going to go to the office. So I started driving to the office, and I saw there's a park by my house. I turned into the park where there's like a little lake, and I, I'm like, I need to just chill here for a minute. And I went by the lake and just kind of sat there in my car for about 30 minutes and just really realizing that I'm burying all of my emotions and all of the things that I need to be working on within myself behind work and staying busy. Mm. And I'm just pushing it 
back and back and it's having you know that rain barrel effect of like this is the overflow and and you need to just sit and you need to be in nature so i went into work for a couple hours and told my people that was there i'm like i'm only going to be here for a couple hours so if you guys need anything let me know and then i went and played uh went and played golf the rest of the day and that that was cool with with my my buddy jacob but uh yeah then i just came home from golf and just like curled up into a ball and just you know because stuff at home hasn't been that easy it's been tough and i think that's I try not to feel make it personal because I feel like most people are going through tough shit right now. People that live together and have kids, it's just the energy is thick everywhere. I feel like I feel like yeah. nothing's easy for anyone right now, and I feel sometimes I feel uh, singled out a little bit because I don't feel like maybe my partner is being as compassionate to see my pain, and she may be feeling that from me also she may be feeling that also and uh but i definitely am sitting next to my shadow mm. and it's hard it's really hard even like right now like to today I, f- I feel like i could cry almost any minute yeah i microdosed this morning before I, I did a little peloton ride for 30 minutes but I've been doing hoppy already too because I'm like, God damn it, come on, this is... get your pull yourself together yeah, with some hoppy, go, and but this is the time that I need to reflect and see that uh, I'm. I just have this feeling that all my spiritual practice went to waste, mm. that I was all for nothing. Mm. Is I have this feeling that I'm just not doing a good job. You know, that everything I'm doing is kind of for nothing in some weird sense. And that I have this, this, uh, you know, that I can't, I can't remember how to walk almost sometimes. It's like, wait a minute, you know how to do this. You know how to pull through this. You know what to do. And you're you're not able to, like, do it. It's almost like a bad dream. Yeah. You know? Like, you're when you're in a bad dream and you're like, I just need to, to jump right now and I can't get my feet off the ground. Yeah. You're running, but you can't you're run. Like, you're trying to punch, but you can't make a fist. Yes. And- yes. That's kind of how it feels right now. Yeah. And the microdosing is bringing this out. And I normally would have stopped after that first day. Yeah. I'd have been like, fuck this. I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to commit to it because I can tell that I need it. Yeah. And this is part of it. And it it sucks. But at the same time, I'm also thinking very much about what's essential and what's not essential for at work and with home in relationships my relationship and uh you know it's removing a lot of the clutter so far which is really good i know but 
behind the cl clutter is something I haven't really wanted to, to look at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here it is. <laughs> it keeps sweeping it under the rug and then you see what all is all under the rug. Yeah. Oh, it's all there. It's all still there. So I just feel like I haven't, you know, I just feel like I haven't made a lot of progress, man. It sucks. And I, and I felt like I had made it a lot. And it's like, man, am I back at square one? Mm. And I, I don't know if that'll come back. I like to say, oh, it'll come back. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to say, yeah, it's going to come back. But I also feel like I'm sick of fucking hearing people say that, that everything's great. <laughs> well, that's just, the bullshit with like, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Just stop. And the, you're not great every fucking time I talk to you. Right. Yeah. It's just easier to say that. And, I, and I, I did a post on Instagram yesterday saying life is really fucking hard right now. I'm going, I feel some depression. I feel that reel in my head that just keeps going and going with whatever's on that reel at the moment. Mm. Today on the way here, the reel was going from some guy that I, I beat up in Glamis when I was like 22. Mm. I don't know why that came up. And then some other thing came up. I'm like, why am I thinking of that? That's weird. But these reels that go. And I'm... After I did that post on Instagram yesterday, I had like five or six friends like reach out very sin sincerely, and I thank you guys. Like, hey man, is this, everything good? You, you you all right? You know, and I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm I'm good. I just think that more of the more of the the reason for me doing that post and the reason for me to be talking about this right now is because I wish more people would talk like this. I wish more people would say how they're really feeling because this idea that you, you're you only going to do a post like that when you've absolutely hit the fucking wall and that is it, like you've just buried your shit for so fucking long that you have a Britney Spears level fucking melt meltdown. Yeah. That's what most people think you're supposed to do. Yeah, there's no other option. So you turn to social media to see if anyone can help you there. So you just blew, out. like you just blew blew up. But people have bad days, three days a week. Yeah, normal people, honest people. Yeah, <laughs> not ever. well, man. I we stopped on our way back from Austin in one of my favorite towns because we just love playing there and hanging there with friends called Bisbee. And I was at the coffee shop answering some emails and I got in a conversation with a girl there. We were talking about music and things, and she was telling me just like what a hard time she's had, you know, with this last year as, as many and as a musician and a creative type, just trying to like get her life together. And she said something that really stuck with me is, you know, I love the concept of the hero's journey, right? You know, the the the, the arc of of venturing out, and then you know you you're doing good, and then you hit those tough battles, and then you come back. And she's like, I like to look at every day as a hero's journey, even if that means that. That was me just allowing myself to lay on the couch and watch TV. That was my hero's journey for the day. And like the, the simplicity of that stuck with me because I, you know, I think it's, it's, there's bad moments within a day that need acknowledged as, as the good. It's so much easier to talk about the like, oh, I had a great day. I closed a deal. I did this. I, you know, dated and started dating a new person, whatever it might be. But acknowledging that like, even besides good days and bad days, there's just good and bad moments within the day. And acknowledging the bad is just as important as that good instead of sweeping it under the rug, which is so much easier to do. 
Yeah, everybody wants to show face. Yeah. Everybody wants to let you know without saying it that they're doing great. That's what social media is for, right? Yeah, so, yeah, to- totally. And like you even see some of our biggest idols, like someone like Joe Rogan or someone like a comedian, like all these great com- comedians, they're some of the most broken people in the world. But you don't see that on social media. Yeah. You don't see that. You don't see them talking about that. Like someone like Joe Rogan, who's been one of my biggest in- influences in the past 10 years, you know, you don't hear him having a bad day ever. But that mm-hmm. guy's got to have problems. I mean, his business is so big now. And these people with, you know, things from business partners to family to this or that, like there has to be some problems. And that's probably smart for him and his way of keeping it separate from his business, his personal life and business. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But it would just be nice to to start seeing people that start really saying how they feel. Yeah, embrace the bad. And yeah, make it normalized and and, and it's in for other people to not look at that as weakness. Mm. Because I think that's one of the biggest problems, and I think that's where the positive ma- masculinity thing comes back into play. Is it's okay for us to sh- to show our emotions. And our feelings and they don't have to be weakness some of the biggest toughest fucking guys in the world will cry on your shoulder yeah you know and because they're they're just they've they've been through it well i think that's where true toughness comes from is you know like i'm, I'm hearing as you're talking about just what you've been going through of like that feeling of like i'm about to break there's so much strength that comes from just the vulnerability acknowledging the like i'm about to break and from that, I feel like you can allow yourself to break in a healthy way to rebuild instead of just holding on and holding on until it shatters like glass. You allow yourself to rebuild, take those couple steps back to move forward because it's embracing the bad. You know, like, <laughs> for some reason, I was just thinking, remember those shirts? They're like, no bad days. Yeah. You know, I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> Have bad days. Embrace that. Embrace that bad. It's the same as the good. It's just, it's all happening. We just tend to always focus on the positive because it sounds better. It feels better. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I just was thinking, you know, people, it's hard to humble yourself. If you're like a professional athlete and you're performing on one of the biggest stages in the world, even not a professional athlete, if you're just like an athlete and you're performing in front of a bunch of people and you have a terrible day and you're a fighter and you get knocked out, you're humbled. You don't. Yeah. Have, you don't have a choice, but to actually kind of carry that same weight for yourself when you feel in that knocked out mode, like shit, I got my ass kicked today by my ego, by this bad decision that I made. Um, I think it's okay for us to 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 talk about that, and I think it's actually actually even more of an egoless thing to accept that people can talk about that and not treat them like, oh, they're weak or, oh, there must be something bad going on with them or there must be, this must be their breaking point or they're just, they're fucked up. And it's like, okay, you yeah. Know, what's so? Yeah. What now? They're still going. 
you know, they're, they're still doing great. They, you know, there's, it's, but bad days come and bad days go and bad times come, you know, and I, and I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is going to be re- relatable to, to a lot of people. I really don't. And I kind of don't care because it's the, just the way I'm feeling it. And I see other friends that I have that have a lot of shitty days and you know, they cover it up with whatever, or they don't cause I'm their friend and, and I, and they, they, they'll talk to, to me, but you know, there's not a lot of ways for men to ex- express themselves without appearing what society deems as weak. Mm. It's brought into our culture of like the man, right? Into yeah. that kind of what I'm viewing, you know, as like toxic masculine or negative masculine approach to things, which is that to like toughen up. You don't talk about shit, you know, so I grew up you know, thinking, it's like, yeah, I mean, don't talk about feelings. He's like Clint Eastwood. He's give like a stare and that kind yeah. of should say it all. Yeah, shut up, boy. Yeah, and so you just repress it and repress it. it, it it's all energy that needs to go somewhere, right? So it's going to explode out in one way or another if you keep it repressed. And that's the unfortunate thing. So why, you know, I see a lot of people fighting at a bar, abusing themselves, others. It can lead to a lot of negative things. You're absolutely right. Like, fuck that and normalize it. Be like, man, how you doing today? Dude, I'm fucking doing terrible. Like, <laughs> cool, man. Me too. Cool. Yeah, right. Right, yeah. But the thing is, you know, I've, I've tried that a bit. This And laugh about it. Yeah. This last year, and it kind of takes people by surprise because someone's like, they get uncomfortable. They get uncomfortable. But if you make it normal, they kind of open up a little bit after a while. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Because it kind of takes them by surprise because you expect someone to go, I'm good. Oh, okay, cool. I'm good too. Okay, see you later. Everything's good. Yeah. Everything's good. So how are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm fucking depressed as shit. Yeah. Just, just standing in front of their house that's on fire. Everything's great. <laughs> Everything's fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> great. I remember telling one of my sales reps a long time ago, over 10 years ago, you know, because she was always, uh, she'd answer the phone every time. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. She got the phone. She's like, fuck. Oh, God, this fucking da-da-da. I'm like, you're, do you think your customers really believe that you're doing that great every time, <laughs> every day? Like, be honest with them. Be re- relatable. And, I mean, I was that was, you know, over a decade ago I was when I was had sales teams and stuff. But I it still holds true. It's it, I don't really want to talk to people or get to know people that aren't going to be relatable and tell me how they're really feeling it's okay to have a bad day it's okay you know if you haven't had a good day in months Mm -hmm. that's fine because that's part of the human experience and we all go through it Mm -hmm. how and and just you know for people listening when people let you know that they're not having a good day you know it's that's not a sign of weakness it's just not it's a sign of honesty. And I think that that should be valued more than anything. Because mm-hmm. honesty is not what we're getting a lot of lately. No. And anyone you come across that's going to be honest with you, listen. Because there's probably something that you need to hear that they have to say. Yeah. I almost feel too, I, 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 at least talking for myself, that if I'm having a shitty day, I'm not feeling well, I have this tendency in myself to like want to fix it. You know, I'm like, I don't want to admit that I'm not having a good week, a good day, a good month, you know, that I'm just depressed, that I'm anxious. 
And so I tried to do things to fix it. You know, I'll even be like, oh, you know, I should like meditate more today. I should do yoga. It's like, it's to me just another way of masking it. The the important thing, I realized this, I was having a real tough time, um, like a, I guess a couple months ago now when I moved. I didn't realize for me how important having a space is so I can feel grounded because my life is pretty topsy-turvy right now. There's a lot going on and I rely a lot on the like, when I come home, I have like my cats, I have my space and it's just like, that. that's, you know, as I guess people will say as, as a cancer sign, that's like my shell. You know, you can like retreat into it and as I was moving and trying to get used to these new roommates, which they're a bit interesting at times, they're great people now, but when I was moving in, I was like, these guys seem a little wacky. Just trying to figure out the whole thing, I felt so ungrounded that I was just... I was like an emotional wreck and everything else became amplified. Like my relationship all of a sudden just seemed like it wasn't doing well where I'm like, Gee, should we just break up? Should, you know, my, is my career ever going to do anything? All of this negative self-talk until I just allowed myself just to be in it. Like, you know what? I'm feeling like shit. Cool. And this is just one of those times I'm just going to sit with it. And so people be like, man, you doing all right? Like, no, they're like, oh, you need anything? Like, no, I just, just need to be in it. Need to sit with it. Just need to learn what it is that's coming up and realize it, just like the good times, there will be those bad times. I loved, there was a Matthew McConaughey interview recently where he talked about the importance of journaling when you're doing well. Because his whole thing is like, you know, things will be good and then you'll have times that are really bad. So don't try to preemptively like plan for the bad, just allow it to happen. And then you have those journals to remind you when you're in that tough spot of, Oh, yeah, this is what I was doing when things were good, when I was feeling good. These were the habits. So maybe it is habitual. Maybe it's like, oh, yeah, my diet's gotten way off. Oh, yeah, I was running more. I was doing these things because those, those will help. To me, the most important thing is just being present with it, it's allowing yourself to feel shitty and being okay with it, not trying to fix it, allowing it to be, but realizing that it's coming from a place of, of growth. So you're not wallowing in it. You're not getting into the depths of depression you're just allowing that there's depression that exists right now and you're moving forward not trying to mask it by making yourself feel better yeah yeah and you know there's also you know i just thought of like a flip side to this you also don't want to be the guy that's complaining to everybody about your problem <laughs> 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 oh jesus christ listen to this one so this fucking guy da, 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 you know it's yeah, like, was, so how are you doing gary and the guy behind him's like don't i got ask, screwed don't again ask. this fucking tax man's coming after me all this you know just <laughs> every fucking time. Guy, this and that yeah no it's you know there's a there's a definite fine line there that you, you definitely don't want to be that guy but you know it's i don't think it's bad to just be like eh, i'm doing okay all right i've been better been worse yeah you know because when you ask someone hey how's it going man do you mean it yeah that's the other thing mean it when you say that do you mean it or do or do you want to just like well do you want me to say i'm doing good <laughs> yeah i've always wanted like because you can tell when somebody asks that and they don't really mean it you know because they're like oh yeah. how are you doing i always yeah. wanted to catch them and be like Oh, I'm so glad you asked. And then just like <laughs> let in on like a half hour tirade, you know? <laughs> One of my cats is sick right now, okay? And it doesn't look good for him. Oh, what? Here, take a seat. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you got a while? My grandfather has a story. So just listen to this. It's, it's, uh, I think there's just, you know, people don't want to bother people too. 
That's my biggest thing. People I don't, don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be a burden. And I think when people carry that mindset of I don't want to be a I don't want to be a problem. I don't want to be a burden. My mom does that. Annoys the shit out of me. And it's like, no, just what are you talking about? Don't you're not a burden. It's not what you are. And you know, it's not anything that s- someone needs to to say to me is please say it. Yeah. You know, it's fine. I'm, and and that's where. You know, I've trying been trying to develop just daily how to become a better listener. You know, I kind of on the podcast with with uh, with with Ian, I was a l- little upset at myself that I didn't listen a little better a, a couple times. So I've really kind of gone through that this past week too. I'm like, man, I gotta I gotta work on that. Mm. But there's a little bit of me being nervous too and wanting to have something to say, et cetera. Yeah. So, but it's. I think we need to just, in general, with this whole idea, we need to get away from the stigma that we, that it's awkward if someone says they're not doing well. Yeah. And if that's awkward to you, why is that? You know, oh, wait, you're not doing well. Okay, I, I got to go. Well, that's <laughs> kind of like, oh, okay, bye. Yeah. You can yeah. weed people out, out of your life really quick that yeah. way. I mean, and, and on the flip <laughs> side, if you're somebody that's catching somebody, like some, you're all of a sudden I, the person where someone's telling you what's going on. I, I don't know what it's been in my life where I'll just be sitting like on the train and someone will sit next to me and just start telling me about a bunch of heavy shit. Like it happened to me. I was working on a record in Flagstaff and this guy from the reservation, we just like started talking to me about a bunch of heavy shit, dealing coke, stabbing people, like crazy shit. And he was just like, you know, he was just like, man, about, like about him stabbing people, yeah, fighting, stabbing people, like just life on the reservation, basically, yeah. you know, which is a whole nother conversation of like something I, I I tend to get worked up about is there's not much attention drawn to that, especially in Navajo Nation and a lot of the hardships there that just kind of aren't made public and you don't hear a lot about. But you know, a lot of people will come up to me and just start tell me, and I'm trying to make it a point. Of even if I'm in a rush and like I have something I got to do, all of a sudden that becomes not as important because I'm I feel like this person because you know how hard it is to start telling somebody what's shit in your life. So if all of a sudden I'm the the vessel for someone to open up, that is now the priority. Like the other day, I remember I was at I was at work and. Uh, and I was, you know, trying to get some video editing, and I did not have much time. And one of the persons that works in the, the custodial staff just lost her mother. And she came up to me, and she's like, hey, Brandon. I'm like, oh, hey. And then she just started telling me, like, all this stuff. And, you know, I'm kind of looking at the clock like, oh, my God, I got to, like, go in half an hour. I have so much to do. But I was just like, this is now more important. You know, the fact that someone feels like they can open up to me, I have to be there for it you know and then you know obviously if, if it drags on if it keeps going for a long time there's there's a time where you have to like carry on with your day but like being present for people when they feel comfortable and open enough to share something that deep and that vulnerable with you i like it's a lot of responsibility to be present for that and take on that responsibility and be present for it you have to give them advice it's just a lot of times people just need an ear yeah to be great men we have to be great listeners yeah yeah there's really no way around it. And it's for half my life, I waited to talk. Mm. I was never a good listener. And it was always, 
whatever this person's saying, I got something to say with it. Yeah. Versus yeah. having nothing to say. And that's okay. And I, th I think there was a part of me too that had an anxiety that I would carry that wasn't able to sit in silence and just not say anything or not have anything to say. And I think there's something about that too that I'm learning a lot of lately is it's okay to s say, I don't know. It's okay to say, mm -hmm. you know, past the point of no, being able to say no, but it's okay to, to not know something. It's okay yeah. for me to just go, for someone to say something and ask me a question and be like, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and, but I want to learn. Yeah, yeah. So I think there is, you know, that that was a big part of my old ego was wanting to know and wanting to be, wanting to have something to say, wanting to say it right and thinking about that while the person's talking. Yeah, oh, like here's here's this next point I'm going to bring up got, and then they're going to be all he impressed. Just said, he just said something in the beginning what he was saying and I'm going to say this when he's done talking and, do it, and then he's done talking and you're like, so, da-da-da, and you're like, didn't even hear what he said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what's helped me a lot is this, this podcast with slowing down because I used to, t I still do talk fast at times because I think I grew up with people talking over me yeah. a lot where I always felt like my point wouldn't be heard if I didn't get it all out in time or something. So it was almost like I'd talk beyond my brain being able to think what I'm actually saying just so I could feel like I got everything out in time. Yeah, so mine, People would listen. Same. Mine came from stuttering problem. It was a, I would, because when you think of a word, you know when you can say it. It's weird. You know when you can say it, and then there comes a point you know you can't say it. Mm. So I would always I had a problem with interrupting people. Mm. So I would just get my word out. Yeah, like, <laughs> like nothing personal. Just, just, I can say it now. Just just had to get it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I don't really have that anymore, though. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's understandable, right? You know that that's how that would come up. Yeah, you feel like you have your opportunity. Yeah, it sucks, but it's um, yeah. So I don't know. I just think that being a better listener and really hearing what's coming from my my partner's mouth, mm. what's coming from her emotions, and what's coming from her trauma, and what's coming from her triggers, I think is a really vital part in me having a stable relationship at home because. We're just everybody's different people at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's one of the hardest things is, especially if things are heated in a, in a relationship, or kind of already tense, and it could be the littlest thing like you didn't put the cheese away or or whatever. That it's really saying all these other layers, right? And then having the compassion for each other to just have love through through both of you your processes with it like okay we're both struggling right now so when you feel that start to like multiply and escalate with the conversation where you can tell it's like the littlest thing is about to explode of just having letting compassion be the thing that like kind of diffuses it back to like almost like laughing about it I, I always think my 
my girlfriend told me this story that her and her, her dad and her sister used to get into it like on the way where she would they'd drop them off to school because she would never brush her hair and her dad was like, everyone's going to think I don't take care of you and they, their sister and her were getting into it where she was like, whenever they would start getting into it, I would just start singing. I've been working on the railroad at the top of my lungs. Like, you know, it was like elementary school, right? And then eventually everybody would like kind of just start singing along and it would diffuse everything. So it's been like a running joke of us if we feel it like starting to like escalate. <laughs> just like, I've been working on the And it like, you almost laugh at the, the silliness of like, how did this start escalating? Because it, you're so in it. That is so serious and so intense at that time. And then you step outside and you're like, were we really just arguing about like the fact that like, you left the coconut water out, <laughs> you know, like, all right, let's, let's hug and like talk about what's actually going on. Like it's not the fucking coconut water or whatever the bullshit is. Totally. Yeah. I, I, this morning we had a funny little thing happen. We, Sebi doesn't like wearing his diaper anymore. He doesn't, like, he doesn't like wearing yeah. clothes. <laughs> I, dude, I didn't wear clothes until I was five and I was very upset when my mom told me I had to start wearing them in public. Yeah, he's over it. So he's like walking around the house naked. And he's <laughs> sitting by her by the table. And then he comes over and he sits on his, on his toilet, his, his little toilet. He's pretty close to potty trained. He's 23 months. And he sits on his toilet and he, and he goes and Kat's like, what, what, is, what is all of this? And when we look and all the way from the, our living room to the end of the di- dining room area, there was these little like droppings. <laughs> and rabbits. <laughs> They were like the size. They were like the size of like of of marbles, <laughs> and they were little, little tootsie rolls. And they were there was like twelve of them dropped all the way to the. Wall. I was like, "How'd you even do that, dude? Those are those those look like little hard ones." Yeah. And he's all. And then I look at twelve. I'm all, "No, you got these. Got to go here." And yeah. He, and he just looks. He's like, "Yeah, yeah." He kind of does a little like tomahawk kind of action, naked mo- mo- Mohican guy yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah. And he, I think he understood a little bit, but I, he just went and then we weren't kind of paying attention for a second. Then he just went and jumped on, on his pile of, of, of blankets. And I kind of looked, looked at Kat like, like what? And I was just like, I just assumed she would have grabbed him and she didn't, but she didn't, he just jumped over there and I, I didn't need to say anything really. Mm-hmm. Like I just went and grabbed him myself. Yeah. And there's, there's a, there's a point or part of me that where I need to catch that. And I need to just, when I see a problem, I need to just fix it mm. instead of expecting and having these expectations of someone's going to think the same as me. Yeah, That's just the toughest thing in life, right? Because that, that hit me this last year of, you know, really understanding like we only live our own perceived reality. So to think that, to get frustrated that someone didn't have the foresight that, that I did is just a waste of my energy because I'm like, they're having a completely different experience than me. So like, they're of course not going to be like, well, this is how this should be organized or why wouldn't you think to put this away or do this? Because like, I'm thinking of that because this is my reality. I'm probably not thinking of a million things that they are because we only know our own perceived reality. And to tr- to get spend our own energy to get worked up that others aren't, seeing our side like under like not seeing our side but living our view of life is ridiculous having compassion and understanding where we're coming from is a different thing but living the same view that we have no one does only we do because we all as individuals have our own perceived reality 
Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's, I've been, uh, I've been guilty of that at the office too. You know, I just like, like, what do you mean you didn't see that? What do you mean? Like, what, why would, why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. And it's just, I can't have that attitude. And one of the hardest things for me growing up was my, when my dad would get home, it was always like my mom and I would like feel panicked because he wouldn't be able to turn that work mentality off where if he was frustrated that we didn't get something done around the house that day or something, it became like a, a task that we didn't accomplish as contractors or something. You know, it didn't yeah. feel like a mutual, I we're mean, all building this house. It's like you didn't, or like, you know, I, my mom had been doing stuff all day. I had been, we we're sitting watching TV together and he just got home, which I have this in me too. So I, I sympathize with that. I understand of like, nothing's worse than if you're crazy busy and you walk in somewhere and people are doing absolutely nothing and you're thinking that they've just been sitting on their ass all day. Because it's like more of a, at a self-pity, like, well, I've been working my ass all day and you've just been sitting around. And that's what I always felt. And so I have that in me. I've seen that with my roommate where I'm like, really, dude, there's a bunch of fucking dishes in the, in the sink. I know you don't have a job right now. You're just at home watching Netflix all day. Like, yeah. you know, I clean my dishes kind of thing. And realizing that it comes from that same mentality that my dad would come home with of, treating the home life like it, like work accomplishments. Like you're contracted to do X, Y, and Z and you didn't get it done today. So let me scold you for it. Yeah, a little bit of my old boss rubbed off on me like with that too. He was very much like that. Treated everyone like they worked for him. Everywhere we mm -hmm. went. Yeah. It was like embarrassing. I said, dude, like that doesn't work I wonder if it's like you. an era because apparently our grandpa was the guy worst at it. That guy doesn't work for you too. Yeah. <laughs> like I might punch you in the face. <laughs> There's, uh, I remember once my, my dad, we were out to dinner on like, we took a family trip to San Francisco and the food didn't come out when my dad thought it should have came out. So he went in the kitchen to talk to the chef of why it was taking so damn long. <laughs> and apparently our grandpa was worse about it. He would go in, order a drink, order the food. And if it was, if they hadn't been out within like five or 10 minutes, they'd just get up and leave. Grandpa Cook? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He's, he sounded like a stressful, <laughs> stressful man. Different era. Different era. Hard nosed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's it goes back to ex expectations. The worst thing to ever have, right? Yeah, it's like you. We can see what 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 we see in others is you know what we just like about ourselves. Maybe I guess. Oh but man, yeah, yeah. It's the it's. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard just because you 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 kind of want things a certain way and you feel like they should be a certain way. And when it's not that certain way, you feel like you're not being heard or you feel like you're not being uh, <clears throat> appreciated. Mm. And it's just a, uh, I think it's kind of, as I'm talking, I'm just realizing that, you know, that I need to really live my own words in the sense more of, we have to be selfless mm -hmm. in in our relationships and with our family, especially. Mm -hmm. There can be no expectation of "I did something for you, I should be getting this." Mm -hmm. I mean, but there should be obviously that sense from the other side, you know, that hey, I'm I'm here to care for you in this side. I'm here to care for you in this way, and 
I think those roles are important. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think I think you have to have roles, but I also think that you know those roles do do get broken, and we it's not the end of of the world. And I think that if another person talks to another person about, hey, this is kind of your role, and you're kind of not really, you know, what's what's going on? Is everything okay? Then that should be a sign to just pick up and hustle a little more, get things done a little more, or budget your time a little better or something. And that's where I'm kind of trying to work to get home early certain days where I can spend more time with with my son. And time is changing on Sunday, thank God. Can we just leave it, the time? Dude, this is such bullshit. Just so leave it. You know how Arizona doesn't doesn't acknowledge it? Or they just they don't, they don't observe right? it. I'm just going to stop observing it. So people are like, okay, the meeting's at 3. Cool. I get there at 4. Dude, where were you? Oh, I don't observe daylight savings time. <laughs> just make it a full thing. A yeah. pro- protest in the streets. Yeah, dude, fuck that. I hate that shit. Yeah, so... It'll be nice that I'll be able to spend more more time with him after yeah. after work and stuff. But it's just, you know, it's really cool. He's like starting to like yell my name all the time, oh. dad, dad, dad. And uh, so you know, it, it's just balance, man. And, and it's I have I've had so much work on my plate. I'm getting a lot done, and I've just been burying it all down. And this microdosing is just heaving it up. Mm. You know, it's like. It's like the red tide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it goes back, hopefully, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll see. I feel like this is bringing some really good things. I think there's going to be some good things that that come and I got to stop worrying. I got to stop worrying about what could not be and and worrying that I'm uh I'm just kind of not on the path. Mm. anymore i feel like i'm losing a little bit of my identity in a sense it's weird maybe that maybe that's the best thing that could ever happen i think so you know i think even you know reading through ram das's teachings he talks a lot about that you know it's all part of the path right yeah if you're just feeling like you know you're floating levitating on a cloud or something the whole time you're probably not on the path it's supposed to be turbulent it's supposed to be all part of it it's all part of it you know to me it's Myself has always been the greatest growth has become from those times where I'm just like ready to break down. Because then you do, and you do it in a healthy way because of the training that you've had, right? Because of the path you've been following, you have the training to break down to rebuild. We're constantly rebuilding. You know, you don't just build a house and let it sit. Sometimes you got to knock a wall down because there's mold in it and put it back up. And I think our, our, our lives are very much similar to that. It's not just one sure shot road you know and i think as soon as we start viewing that thinking that's like man has it all been for nothing that's when it gets exciting because then i feel like that's when we're on the verge of some really tremendous growth it's it's everything really it's just letting it happen well and again going back to expectations that the the expectation that the the you know quote unquote path would be any different you know, and man, I can't talk enough about like how fucked expectations are for ourselves. So, what is what do expectations create? Disappointment. True. There's nothing else it creates. True. If you have an expectation of something, when was it ever fully met exactly how you expected it? Never. Ever. <laughs> ever. I used to like like think of holidays. Think of New Year's Eve. 
That's like I, one of the I biggest just gonna say that. expectation nights. Valentine's Day. I was just going to say New Year's shit. Eve. New Year's <laughs> Eve is the stupidest one ever. I The last time I ever planned like a New Year's Eve night, I was hanging out with my buddy Chris. We went to this hotel party in Newport Beach, and we're getting drinks from this table. We're single. We're, we got the VIP treatment. We're feeling important. Someone fucking slipped LSD in my drink. Oh, fuck. And I didn't know. I was just, and I remember talking to this girl. This she was a really pretty old friend friend of mine, and she had this big old like diamond ne- necklace on. I'm just like, who gave you that? And I just started getting all kind of weird. <laughs> was, I don't know, and I don't know why I was even saying it, but I was just like, and then she's like, you're being a jerk, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm and then I just like, and then I just put my head down, and I I walked off, and I'm like. Oh wait, I'm like okay. This is this is whatever. This is maybe because I think I think maybe we were doing a little coke or something. It mm-hmm. wasn't anything, you know. And I was like okay, maybe I'm just high. Maybe I'm just getting buzzed. And then I started to follow this guy. Took us these all these back ways to get to this other party upstairs. And and then my friend Chris had this fresh tat tattoo on his neck. And I were standing in the ele- elevator, and the tattoo like lifts off his neck. And I'm like. Oh God damn it! I'm like, I I look over at him. I go, I'm, I'm all Chris. Let's let's go outside. I I gotta go outside. I gotta get some fresh air. I went stand outside. I got a cigarette and I lit it. And I'm like, I'm like leaning against the wall. I'm like, I'm looking around and I go, Oh fuck! I'm on acid. <laughs> He's all what? I'm all. <laughs> Yeah, dude, this, this this is definitely acid. I haven't done it in a long time, but this is definitely acid. I'm like, I got to get to the room, dude. Can you help me get to the room? He's like, yes, I'll help you get to the room. And he, I got up to the, to the room, and I was just all this. I was in this elevator, all these party people, and I'm just like, oh, oh, God. oh, God. And I get to the room, and I'm like, as soon as the door closed, I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah. And I laid down on the bed and I smoked cigarettes and just enjoyed my my trip. trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Turned out to be a great New Year's. Actually it wasn't bad. Yeah. That was the last time I ever planned a New Year's ever again. Cause yeah. they always get fucked up. Yeah. Always. It's just like, let's see what's going on and let's just do that. Once I finally gave in to realizing my favorite New Year's was like when I was like seven or eight years old and I'd watch Dick Clark and build a Lego. And so that's what I do now. That especially like Usually lately I've had a gig or something on New Year's, which is I've had some of the best New Year's have been when I've been working because I got to play with like some of my heroes and things that like random like parties I got hired to play at and stuff, but of just doing nothing. Like, you know, last year my girlfriend and I just got an Airbnb and we didn't realize it hit midnight. We were just like cooking food and hanging out. And then it was like, oh, cool. <laughs> you know, it was right. just like a let's because I get in a melancholy reflective place you know almost every year where i just like reflect back on the year i don't feel like partying but i always had this expectation when i was younger like it's new year's you go party and it needs to be it needs to be something and anytime i have any expectation over a date over a gig it only leads to disappointment when you go in with just no expectations at all of just like it's going to be exactly how it's supposed to be you have a wonderful time because it it, it's going to be how it's going to be regardless yeah, you know, it all, I I I'll get in arguments with some people over this concept, but I feel hope is dangerous in in the way that a lot of people view hope, because to me, hope is on on the same coin as as failure, 
And if you're looking at hope in the same way of an expectation of a certain outcome happening from the hope, right? I hope I buy a house this year that is this particular house, right? Is going to lead to disappointment. And so by building all this expectation through that form of hope, you're also building up inherent fear that is not going to happen. Instead of putting your hope into the more of the realm of faith that the right outcome is going to happen. So if the house example, it's like, I have faith that my family and I are going to find a place to live this year. You, not expectation over like, it's going to be a two-story house in the suburbs. And this it's just like allowing that to come around. And also just having hope in that your process, your emotional and spiritual growth is going to be able to deal and handle and accept the situation with whatever it's going to be, not a specific outcome. Cause that just creates disappointment and fear. Yeah. I I'm, I'm torn on that one a little bit because I think it's important to set goals and I think it's yeah. important to set unrealistic goals. It's important spiritually, financially. I think it's important uh, to, but on the flip side of that, knowing that you did everything to get to that goal is the most important and enjoying mm -hmm. the way there. Because they, they say that once you don't have to look at how much dinner costs when the restaurants were, were open. Remember mm -hmm. that? Oh, what was that? What were those? Recently, man. It was pretty cool. Actually, not very recently. <laughs> but when once you get to the point where you don't have to look at how much the bill costs, mm -hmm. that's w when you have made enough money. Yeah. No, no amount of money past that is going to make you any happier. Yeah. And I've been at that level for quite a while. And it's, but I have these goals and these dreams of, I want the company to do this. I want to be at this much, this much business. I want to be doing this, this, and this. And there's, you know, also goals of not wanting to work forever, of course, mm -hmm. and not wanting to do the, the hard grind forever yeah i'll probably work the rest of my life because i love it but uh but the but i think that having goals is important but being not being so attached to the mm. outcome of that goal yes but setting it as as a goal marker yeah because otherwise you're just you're just running in the wind yeah you know you, you you need a road to to actually drive on well i view goals in that sense as like a game and i love being competitive, I love playing games. So I don't have an, it's like, right? Because to say I would have no hope that like I end up having a very comfortable life just from playing music would be a lie because I totally hope for that. But I work on not having attachment to the, like that being a specific thing. Mm -hmm. That is the goal I hustle to because I find it fun. I try not to have attachment over it looking a certain way. Yeah. You know, and to me, to view it as a fun game kind of removes the attachment to it. So, because the other thing's worse than having the type of attachment of like hoping for something and striving for something that if it doesn't happen, you're devastated. You're devastated for sure. Yeah, there's a the, that book that I got you for Christmas, the the Instant Millionaire. Mm -hmm. It's anyone out there looking to, to quickly change your relationship with money, pick that book up. You can buy it. You can read it in a couple hours almost. And it's this really cool story of this old man and this that's a millionaire and this and this boy that comes to him and is like, I want to be a millionaire, you know. And he just shows him that really it's about changing your relationship with with money. Mm 
and and learning how to ask for money and learning how to set goals that feel unrealistic six, six years out. Yeah. And so much can happen in one year. Yeah. You're complete. I've had life changing years. Like the year, so much can change in in one year. If you give yourself a six year lead lead out, and you're like, okay, I want my business to be doing a hundred million dollars in six years. Okay, so what if I only get to eighty? Yeah. You know, so what if it along? But here's my problem that I'm having right now is enjoying that ride. Man, it's this most because I'm because I'm on a fun thing. ride yeah, right now. I'm on a fun fucking it. ride. Hard. This ride is so much fun, and and I would be envious of myself if I was looking at me on this ride. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, that's for some reason, and I know a lot of people probably think like this too. For some reason, I feel like the people that already are where I want to be financially. I feel like they were given something. Yeah. I feel like they had something that I didn't have access to or something. Yeah. But that's not true. It's really not. Mm -hmm. Because we all create our own access. Yeah. And we all become the access to whatever we want. It's just how big are you willing to think and how smart are you going to work to actually get it? And, and, and I think a lot of my stress has come from my own procrastination and my own time wasting. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that's, that's one thing I'm really seeing through this mi microdose journey right now is I waste a lot of time. I fucking waste a lot of time on whatever. You know, a lot of it's on my phone. You do send me a lot of reels on Instagram. I do. I do, but I'm always on Instagram looking for inspiration. Yeah. I'm always looking at what other brands are doing. I'm always looking at a lot of things, but then there's a lot of other stuff in there too. Yeah. You know? And, but I think it's kind of a because I'm doing nothing but in my office like 12 hours a day, 10 to 12 hours a day, I feel like that's the only break I get. Yeah. 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 I'm like, oh, there's there's some instant gratification. Okay, I'm moving moving on. That yeah. was cool. And like, you know, have you and like two or three other people that I'm always send, sending stuff to, and we're always sending stuff back and forth. And I feel like that's my communication with people almost. Yeah, it's outside world, <laughs> yeah. outside of your office. Somebody, bubble. somebody laugh with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people exist outside of my cave here. Yeah. So there's definitely too much time. And then there's too much time that I spend talking to to friends too. So it's just, I just have to have the dis discipline to really, you know, conquer that stuff. And I, I actually have hired some, some help now. So things are going to get better. Things are already getting way better. But this last year, I haven't been able to hire anyone. I haven't been able to do anything. I've been doing like three or four jobs by myself. And it's like, it's weighing on me. But we're yeah. taking a va vacation next month. Thank That's God. right. I forgot you guys are getting downtown. Costa Rica. Ooh. Yeah. That'll be good, man. I've never been. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to surf. I'm not going to focus on doing anything but sit in a tree, relaxing. Yeah, there's some. There, there's a medicine community down there too. Yeah, there's a few beautiful ones that I've never been, but I would. I would like to get get into a ceremony or two while I'm down there. Yeah, man, isn't that tough? I mean, we're both so fortunate to be on this ride 
you know, both together in this podcast individually with our like careers and how it's difficult. It hit me this year. I was like, dude, I'm not being present with the journey because I'm just have the destinations so much in mind. I'm like, dude, I want to work because I want to be able to live with my girlfriend. Like we want to like, you know, not be in different cities. And this, this is kind of like a, a good motivation in my like little mini hero's journey in that sense, but not enjoying this, like the process along the way. Like, you know what? I'm going to look back at this and remember like, damn, it was really hard being away from each other. And damn, it was also really fun. The hustle, the game of it all of like, how am I going to make this work this week? But it's hard to, to hold on to that when the fear will seep in of the permanence that remembering that nothing is permanent. And I, I get that fear a lot of like, I'm always going to be stuck here. I'm always going to be stuck in this current financial situation. I'm always going to be stuck X, Y, Z. That nothing, the impermanence of it all is beautiful. And also it can be terrifying, but that we get, I feel like I will get stuck in the, things will never change. It's yeah. always going to be exactly how it is right now. And like you just said, how much can change a one year, six months, three months can bring? A lot. A lot. And, and, you know, by the time you guys are living together, you're probably going to be traveling a ton. Yeah. And there's just, it's always going to be, is always going to be something that didn't work out the way you thought it was going to. Yeah. It might be in your favor. It might be out of your favor, but you know, it's like, it's like Bruce Lee says, you're going to be like water, formless. Yeah. 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 At the beginning of the year, I forget who it was, it was Someone in San Francisco, so many heady people in San Francisco, you know. But they were telling me, it was like, I don't know, maybe I was like buying some incense or something. This person at the store was like, you need to get this incense. And she was like looking at me. She was like, what do you do for a living? I was telling her, I was telling her about, you know, my living situation was changing this and that. She was like, you need to go sit by water a lot. It's like an actual physical reminder of like, you need to allow these next phase of your life to just be water. Yeah. You know, just- roll with everything just like bruce lee said yeah you you <clears throat> can't put anything in front of water it just figures its way out yeah so i i have this quote that i've had on my on my mantle for a long time that says uh uh what does it say it's, it says something to to the tune of um whatever a man cannot sacrifice a man who cannot sacrifice will belong to whatever it is he can't sacrifice hmm. yeah so whatever willing whatever you're unwilling to give up is what you belong to i belong to coffee then shit i belong to coffee too yeah there's a few things yeah now how true is that right yeah that's the thing with the free will it's like well I should be allowed to eat and drink and smoke whatever I want. It's like, yeah, but without the discipline in it, you become a slave to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So anyway, I'm so day day three today, and uh, I'm I'm posting my progress on my TikTok, Adam T Cook at t- on TikTok. I like TikTok because it's easy. I was trying to do Twitch and thinking about Clubhouse, but. I don't have time to, I can't see myself sitting down for a couple hours every evening when I could be playing with the kid. 
Yeah. So I can make a TikTok video in 30 seconds yeah. and it's up and it goes. I had another one. <laughs> I've had two that were on their way to going viral with mushrooms. Mm-hmm. The first one was on the cook page. Hit like 13,000, a little over 13,000 followers or views within five hours. And then I did one yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? Where I didn't actually show the mushrooms, but I had them in a canister and I just was like, okay, this is how I do it. And I just did a pinch and I put the pinch back in and I'm talking and I should show it again. Mm-hmm. And it took like an hour or so. It had like 20 views. And then I looked at it again and it was like 1,500. I looked at it again it was like 4,000. I looked at it again it was like 8,000. I looked at it again it was like 14,000. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this thing's going. And then community guidelines, bam, Boom. shut it down. Drugs are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I need to create a code word. Yeah, like dude, pizza was always it when we were talking about purchasing mushrooms. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put I think I'm gonna make a blog a blog post on our on our site that has that has uh, so, social media code. Dude, words we we for should make microdosing. a little cook cook collective decoder, right? <laughs> like those ones used to get in Ovaltine. Yeah. You know, <laughs> how to decode our for more information on what this is about, <laughs> go to the site because they're gonna. It's just. It's just those ones because it, it, I thought the first one would what got flat because I showed actual mushrooms. Yeah. That video, by the way, is on our blog. The whole how to prepare a m- microdose. I do a full step by step and recommendations of what to do, what not to do. Uh, don't lick your finger and stick it in the bag that gets it all murky. So just like some some th- <laughs> oh, things like one, that. Man, that's... Some very important stuff, some stuff that's not that important, kind of like that, but just you know, kind of party file stuff <laughs> and and the stuff that's also matters and how much to take and how much not to take or when to start trying it, et cetera. But yeah, the the video that showed the mushrooms, I figured it was just because of that, but no, they no. They, they know, want, dude. They know. Dude. Zuckerberg, man. It's not Zuckerberg. No, but he knows. Zuckerberg. He, he knows. gets a, he lets them all know. Yeah, he hasn't been approving us to uh, uh promote our m- mushroom t-shirts. That makes sense. No, I no, was, it's I, a whole I, thing I, now, I think, on Facebook because my Devin was trying to do it with a winery and they were he was having issues with wine. So it's like a whole because of all the political bullshit that was going on, I think it made it hard. Instagram's to becoming the biggest scam, dude. It's like you get so much more organic traffic on on TikTok, yeah. on uh, on uh, LinkedIn, uh, and then OnlyFans. Some of these other ones. I was I was, <laughs> dude. Tim Ferriss was talking about OnlyFans the other day, and I was like, "Is he serious? I can't tell. Is he really got an OnlyFans set up?" Well, I mean, it's not just for. I thought it was sex just work. I thought it was just porn. But I thought no, it, I thought but it was it's, just that's like. I thought it was just like <laughs> out of work strippers. It's not just for that, but that's like what it's become. So it's like right, like if you say like we started in OnlyFans, they think like me and you are going to be like dancing around naked or something, you know. But we we could use it to like show those mushroom videos or whatever. Oh, we can. Oh yeah. You can show mushrooms on OnlyFans? You can show, I think it's a pretty, because people have to request access to it or pay for the subscription for it, however you set it up. So you can, I think, do basically whatever as long as you're not like harming something that uh, it's just the connotation around OnlyFans has become that it's usually dealing with sex work. Huh. 
Because I thought about it, I'm like, yeah. should we should we have an OnlyFans where we can show and do more things if it's not going to get censored? It won't. It's just if someone hears that we have an OnlyFans, they're going to assume that it's like me and you jerking it or something. Sick. <laughs> people are paying big. They're like people are already like, where do I sign up? Where's this podcast going? <laughs> <laughs> These guys are getting loose. <laughs> <laughs> We went from explicit to triple X. <laughs> Co collective after dark. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because there's there's some other ones. Uh, there's this one called uh, called the strip strip chat. It's like just is it an app? It's just full on. There's just people making their own porn. Wasn't that uh, chat roulette? No, it's called strip chat. <laughs> it's like, it's like it's what chat wild. roulette became. It's wild. There's like they. They have like for amateur porn. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. They it's just it looks like a bunch of out of work strippers, pretty much. And like porn, is it like couples? people. It's, or is it like it's like everything professionals? Couple no, it's the amateurs. It could yeah. be. It it could could that's be cool. both. I I came across this one. There was this dude in his truck, like parked in some par- parking lot. Yeah. And he had a chick in the back seat and a chick in the front. And he they were like, they all look like they're on meth or something. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And then and then there's like <laughs> There's, I was just kind of scrolling through them, right? And they, from what I can tell, they have this this toy app, mm-hmm. apparatus that like hangs out out of them, and you, you can. It looks like they that it's controlled by tips. Oh shit! So so if if you're watching a girl, you can control her toy with the amount of tips that you give. Oh, whoever invented that's genius. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's like kind of like the next level of of a porn interactive because it's interactive porn because everyone's there. They're they're like, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Twitch for for, for, for porn. porn. Yeah, <laughs> dude, the, the, dude, so many innovations in twenty twenty. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild. Like it, and like I'm I'm looking at it like that's like I was I showed cat and cat's like, God, don't these people have parents, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe not all of them. Somewhere. I'm like, but doesn't is this better than them? This this has to be better than them actually escorting. Has to be better than them safer than them actually going out and having to like do shit with dudes or whatever it is. Um, they probably make just I, I don't know what they would make, but I'm assuming if you're pretty popular on there you make way more than you do stripping oh there was a youtube like where she would review clothes and stuff that did an only fans like her and her boyfriend and she started i forget the numbers but like insane like it's insane like she just you know bought a nice ass house kind of insane money from it i i have some i have some friends that do the only fans things and they're like very empowered by it it's awesome like, because you know they set the vibe for it, they set the rules. Yeah, they make money off it. They you're, feel you're sexually empowered by it. It's kind of helping their their process with sexual liberation. They feel this is what they need to do, and they're owning it. And I think I think it's fucking awesome. You don't have to look anyone in the face. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you want to do, you know that you, that already. I mean, you don't want to look somebody in the face, and you just want to have that kind of interaction and. You know, because I know for some that I've talked to, it's almost like there's you know, you know fans that become kind of like a like a family because they're reoccurring. You know, they tip them a lot, they get to like know each other on a impersonal level, kind of thing. Yeah. So you know, I mean, to me, it's always like 
if it's a conscious decision and they're being empowered by it and, you know, it's all consensual, then it's, it's great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the, always been one of the, the terrible things, especially when all that shit came out about, like, Pornhub and stuff, that a lot all the, like, shit that wasn't consensual and was underage and all these things, oh. that's what's so fucked in the, in the porn industry and sex work industry in general of, like, if people are giving a platform to own their, like, you know, produce, own their own content and be empowered through their content, then, you know, it's fucking also, awesome. Yeah, the, the strip chat thing seems, it seems better regulated because you have a page and it's up and people are watching it and it's like having a, a social media page. Mm. If you're doing shit on there that is bad, someone might flag you. Mm-hmm. Or each individual account is set up for your own. So I don't know. It seems not just like Pornhub. People are just uploading videos, and There's it go no it goes until it gets caught. Yeah. Or 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 it never does. Yeah. Which is so dangerous. And you're yeah. and it's you you film somebody that you don't they have no control over that video. Oh and god! I mean, once, once it's out, it's gone. Seen some articles about that shit. Like, could you imagine? Like, you know, all of a sudden you just like you. Did had this like wild kind of fun night with somebody and you didn't know they were taping it and then all of a sudden you're all over the internet kind of thing like or you knew and you were like eighteen yeah nineteen you're not getting that and down. you were high as fuck for like two or three years and now you're twenty six and you can't get a job yeah harsh yeah a lot of those porn girls man they get into it young and then they they I had this girlfriend a long time ago that did that perfect ten mag- magazine and it was classy. It was totally classy. She was just nude. It wasn't anything, wasn't like spread open or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And she had trouble for years and years after because you Google her name and that comes up. That was just so fucked. Like, who the fuck? I mean, again, it goes to like back to more just sexual re- repression in our country. That is such a taboo thing that's like, okay, yeah, you did porn, you were a nude model, like, can't get a job. That it says who you are as a person. Yeah, she she didn't even do porn. It was just like a nude modeling thing. So like, but think about it. Once you do that, you're, you're gonna there's gonna be someone that hires you that saw it. They might like it. They might treat you different once you're hired. Yeah. They might. It, hey, I just, guess it's the sad reality of it. Yeah, they're gonna be like, oh hey, nice to see you. I've, yeah. I've seen you. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, you know, for me, it's like I'm just hoping that sexuality in general becomes more normalized where it's not such a thing, but it's not like that's an overnight. That's a long play. It's a long, thousands of years of sexual repression in our take current us a, society. It'll take us a long time to get anywhere near where Europe's at. Oh, yeah. Like the way Kat grew up is crazy. They had like porn channels on their normal TV. I, I remember when I was 18 and I went to Germany and it was like flipping through the channels. One, the Simpsons overdubbed in German is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and then like, yeah, you switch to the next channel is just like softcore porn and you're like, this is on like network TV. <laughs> yeah, like normal TV. Yeah. Wild. So anyway, all right. Well, dude, I know it's, it's, it, to me it always sounds weird to say because I know you're going through some shit right now, but I am. I'm excited for you and what these coming weeks are going to bring and bring up, man. Like, you know, I do feel it's like there's no way you're going to fail just in life. Like you have the, the awareness, the consciousness to succeed in whatever you do. And so I'm, I am excited, even though I know it's going to be hard for you because I imagine there's going to be some deep dives in, in this journey that where it's going to bring you. 
at the end of it. Thanks, man. I think you're right. It's just, I think that this is necessary and this microdosing is really just bringing it all to the surface. Move the clutter out of the way and let's deal with the real meat and potatoes of what's going on here. Yeah, it'll be liberating to, to uncover it, you know? Yeah. This this felt good to do today. We yeah. haven't we haven't done this in a while. Yeah, it felt really good. Just you and I. Um, hey, everybody out there, please. We need some more uh, reviews and and uh, uh, ratings on Apple Podcasts. So, if you could uh, get to that for us, even if you listen on Spotify and you have an iPhone, just head over there and give us a five rating or say these dudes suck. Most or, offensive shit I've ever heard in my are, life jerks can't stand when are they starting their only fans yeah we just want we just came for the only fans <laughs> leave comments like that that would be amazing <laughs> so, like we're just here waiting for the only fans page <laughs> 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 and this ain't about mushrooms <laughs> all right guys we love you Amen.